My friend Rosie Acosta joins us today to talk about her new book, You Are Radically Loved, Growing Up Mexican-American. During the LA riots of 1992, Rosie found herself lost in a sea of bewilderment, gang violence, and maybe even hopelessness. So Rosie came to chat with us today on the Wabi Sabi podcast to share more about her story and how she found her inner strength through meditation, yoga practice, and also teaching others along the way. Rosie Acosta today, who is the author of You Are Radically Loved, and she is also the host of the Radically Loved podcast. And we are going to be chatting about Rosie's first book, which is so exciting, which just launched, and her new job with Headspace, her podcast. And then I have a lot of super juicy inside questions I want to ask her because we are friends outside of work, if you can believe it. (laughs) Not just industry friends either. (laughs) Like real friends. Not industry friends. Well, people, yeah. people like that term these days. But yeah, And we had this deep combo about how the book publishing process has become so impersonal. Yeah. And so we do wish that publishers could hear us out and switch that and start meeting in person again yeah. like we used to. And taking meetings and desk sides are really important yeah. because sometimes you see these people on TikTok or Instagram And they're not the same person on their grid as they are in real life. And I think it's important when you practice what we call moral integrity, which means living in your actual truth and doing everything that you preach to others. Um, So Rosie, tell us a little bit about how you became a top tier yoga and meditation instructor coming from the Latino American space as a Mexican American, as we talk about this a lot, because we're both California girls that are minorities who work really hard to make it in wellness. And I can imagine that your ride was not easy. Yeah, it's, uh, it was not, we talk about it all the time. And I think that I'm grateful for the experience that I had, because I feel like I want to say like back in the day, like it was oh, that yeah. it was back in the day. Here we I think during, it, what do we call it? Analog days. During analog day. <laughs> I just said that yesterday. I was I doing love analog. Something. Oh, I went to go, I went to this place that had me fill out a information card, like a Rolodex card. Do you remember Rolodex? Oh yeah. I used to have one full of men. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you did? Yeah. No joke. I say that all the it's time. Amazing. I didn't like, even know people know what a Rolodex is, by the way. You might have to put a little like, def- like, uh, explanation how about google it guys a rolodex (laughs) so but i think honestly what i am most grateful for yeah growing up in east la during a very chaotic time in the history of los angeles during the la riots uh first gen mexican american in a neighborhood that was largely populated by immigrant families i mean this was in the beginning, a fine place, but as we got older, a lot of the parents worked, so there was this surge of just unsupervised adolescents and kids just kind of running around mm-hmm. being Lord of the Flies, and uh, as they got older... What t- year was this, by the way? This was in the early 90s, so I would okay. say like 89, 90, 91. <laughs> Sorry. Because once the riot, once the riots happened in '92, that was sort of the the pivotal point where everything started to 
take a turn. You know, things got a little bit more violent. Mm -hmm. They got a little bit more intense. There was a surge of gang violence and gang wars during that time. So we lived in a neighborhood and on a street where we basically uh, were the the perimeter of the ri- rival gangs, like two of the oh, of wow. the biggest rival gangs. So we always endured the crossfire of that, literally like drive-by shootings and, and just attacks randomly on somebody's like front yard. Like it was, it was intense, you know? And when you grow up in an environment like that, it it just is normalized because that's just, it's Mm. what everybody's growing up the same way. So it's not an anomaly. You, You can't go to school and be, you know, say, oh, I just, I'm tired because I've not slept because I've been up all night because there's been police cars and ambulances and, you know, fire trucks right outside of our window for the last mm-hmm. eight hours because everybody's having the same experience. So going through that and becoming a teenager in that environment, becoming a product of my environment, starting to make decisions that were harming me, you know, getting involved with the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm getting arrested, all of those elements were essentially just par for the course, right? It was just part of what was normalized during that time. So I was really struggling with anxiety and PTSD, which again, by the way, back then, just saying, everybody has so many tools now, you know, not not that I'm begrudgingly saying, but I'm like, there's so many tools now so many apps so many options to get therapy and for people to talk about mental health but back in my day back in our day like aren't that old i think we're millennials we are millennials yeah which i cringe at that word even totally why why did so many assholes in our in our gen but there's also a lot of geniuses and a lot of cool kids that's true (laughs) i'm not trying to you know uh, yeah i'm i'm not even gonna get into that conversation but yes i agree so yeah i mean it i didn't especially coming from a hispanic family we don't talk about mental health or problems or issues at all you just grin and bear it and you just kind of muscle your way through it and just pretend like it doesn't exist and so I found that um after I got arrested for I think the third time I I just basically got faced with this decision like you're gonna go to jail or you're gonna figure out your life and so I made the decision after I got booked uh by the the booking officer saying to me like as I was there I was freaked out I was what happened uh to lead to the arrest so you can read about it in the the book oh chapter (laughs) great I just no no I'll tell you I'll totally give it away I I got arrested for trying to steal a police car Oh, girl. How old were you, Rosie? I was 15. Oh, wow. Yes. No wonder why we're like soul sisters. Right. I think that was a really trying time, you know, and I can only pray for the girls that are 15 now. And what It's they hard, go right? I mean. It's got to be worse for um, this up and coming generation yes. because everything is like virtually on yes. video. I feel for the yeah. kids now. I really do. I'm grateful every day that there wasn't facebook that there wasn't any way to film or record you know back then we had the 
We had film. a um, remember the Kodak like throwaway disposable yes, cameras. I love those those were cool. Yeah, I I think we should take like bring all that shit back. I film do too. Is so much better. I'm than telling DS- you, DSLR. You know what it life. is. You know why? Because we as humans, we need to have tactile experiences, I and I really do feel that a lot of the issues we're having with this generation. I have a little sister that's 24, and so I'm always asking her. Uh, um, that's how I try to get hip to things because I'm like, okay, what are the 20 year olds doing? You know? So I ask her and she always explains it to me. So, but I, I really feel like they're missing that tactile experience. I mean, back in the day, you know what I just watched on the airplane? I was, I was going to, I think, uh, uh, no, Salt Lake. I can't remember where I was going, but I was watching, uh, clueless oh yeah great 90s right but you know what was so interesting about that i thought it was hilarious and i'm like oh this would not pass today if they try to make that movie today it would not work but what i really loved was they went to the mall like they hung out with each other they're sitting around having a conversation right having conversations with people now you just go around to a table of kids and i know this because i've spoke at high schools with the book kids are at around the table just on their phones nobody's talking and that was the thing that was part of your processing time right when you were a teenager like sitting and talking to your friends figuring out who you are and uh, also like years of uh development and like formative development and also um I think girls find their inner confidence a lot at that age and well your confidence finding your voice in general to speak with people I mean if you're not using your voice, that's going to stifle the part of you that needs to be cultivated. We do talk about this a lot as friends, in only in concern and also taking action and helping our young girls. But I do believe that um, some people that end up making it that are a lot younger don't know they only have experience on their yeah. thumbs and on their phone. So they don't actually know how to write a book or present to an audience or give a speech or put together, you know, a deck for someone or a business uh, plan. And those are things, those are viable, tangible things. Like books are really beautiful because they're, um, I always see books as a way out. Like I'm reading, I still read Marianne Williamson and I'm Love. reading a Phil Jackson book. Oh, Here we go, the, 11 the, Rings. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, Here we Juicy. Go. You're kind of man, Phil. <laughs> I love Phil. <laughs> God, I love Phil too. You know what? I love the worm. I'm like obsessed with Dennis Rodman. Is that weird? No. I have like this beloved, deep-rooted love for Rodman, Jordan, Pippen, and obviously Phil. Yeah. But you love you. You love you some Phil. Oh my God. I hope Phil will catch wind that we love him. That we love him. There's a younger generation that is just mesmerized with that dynasty yeah because exactly what you were talking about earlier we don't have those analog years anymore people at the game are holding up their phones at every concert and every game but back in the 90s like you, you fucking watch you watched it yeah. and you had to be involved and be present right now that you're talking about the texting i i call and again from watching clueless they were on the phone they were on their phones and they had to have conversations it wasn't Tech, there was no texting yeah. and so I, I call my little sister I call her yes. and she never answers she always texts me back and I'm like can I ask you a question why 
why don't you ever, she's like, I don't know. I think it's so weird that you people call. Like, why do people call you? Like, just text, you know? And I'm like, because people want to converse. Like, people want to use their voice. I mean, what is the purpose of having a voice if you're not using it? You know, people start to question why they have anxiety or why they have this pent-up energy you look back, I've, I've done it myself where I can go the entire day and I realize, wow, I've not used my voice today at all. Well, that brings us to, um, how you went from being arrested then (laughs) to turning your life around and utilizing tools and resources like yoga and meditation. So how does a young Latino girl caught up in the 92 riots, who's been arrested multiple times, turn to these kind of Eastern philosophies and practices? Like, how did that even happen? Yeah, well, I was raised as a very strict Catholic. Okay. And I got kicked out of Catholic school because I was asking too many questions. Not Catholic school, I was going to catechism. And so for me, that is sort of where the, uh, the sense of feeling lost began to happen spiritually. And I think that it, it, ties in to where I begin to gravitate towards yoga and meditation, why it became easy for me to try and find something else. So during that time, I was struggling, you know, with anxiety and and stress. And my mom's friend had suggested to my mom that I should try meditation. Mm. And she was a member of the Self-Realization Fellowship. Yes, yes. very good. SRF. Here we go, Juicy. One available in Encinitas, another in LA. And then, Hollywood and Malibu. So this, the, what is it yes, called? Yes, there's one up in, oh my God, in Malibu. The Self-Realization Center? Yeah, no, but what, Lake Shrine. That's, that's one, the one in Malibu. Yes. That's fabulous. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's I, open and available. Like People can to go anyone. to the garden. Yeah, it's get, beautiful. Like, that's amazing yeah. uh, that somebody close to you picked up on it when you were so young. Yeah. And so my mom came home with this little, the little pamphlets, you know, the little pamphlets that they give out. And I started to read about it and I was really into new agey stuff at that time. I was into horoscopes, numerology, like anything that sounded Mm -hmm. kind of airy fairy. I wanted, it was an escape, right? It was an escape from the reality that I was experiencing. And so I went to the fellowship center. My mom was working at the children's hospital on Vermont and Hollywood. And so I went and I just walked into the temple and I walked into a lecture and I just, I had an experience, you know, I went and I sat and it, it wasn't anything like that. I felt this ecstasy and I saw this vision. It wasn't like that at all. The only thing that had happened was that I sat down and I was instructed to close my eyes and pay attention to my breath. And I swear to you, that was the first time I'd ever felt it. And that was it. That is, that is all I needed to feel like I was back in my body. Because if you think about it, I'd spent the first half of my life, like the first 15 years getting out of my body because I lived in fight, flight, or freeze mode. You know, when you're just in this constant state of fear and anxiety and you don't know what's going to happen and who's fighting and there's like domestic violence everywhere. It's just, it's just this constant tension. So that is when I began to really dive in deep, learn more, pick up books. Um, and 
that that's what started the journey. You know, years later, I decided that I, it helped me so much. My life started to change. I started to make different choices. I started to make new friends. I, I got a job. Like I started to see the benefits of choosing a different path. Yeah. And, and I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I saw, I felt better. I, I felt confident. I felt like the person I was supposed to be. And what I wanted to do was bring all of this knowledge, all of these methods, you know, the Buddhism and mindfulness and yoga and Ayurveda to people like myself, like the people that I grew up with, because I felt it impact me so much. And I wanted to somehow be able to bring that knowledge, even in just like the most practical way to, to see if I can help people. And that's why I did my yoga, my first yoga teacher training and, and the rest is history. Wow. So nobody else around you was really doing it and you were an early adapter. Yes. Okay. Which so was hard. You know probably that. Probably very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it Bizarre. was it a man's world at the time still? Or? Oh, in that world? We're talking about now going into wellness because... Oh, no. We're not going was... there yet. <laughs> There's so many deep, dark fucking people I, I, in our I, industry. I it's mean, sad. so I just, know. yeah. So it was a very male dominated world at the time. And, yeah. um, but I was very lucky. All of my teachers, uh, even to this day were very, uh, honest and of integrity. And I, Good. I never felt, and you know what the thing was too? Like I never fell prey to the, you know, Tori calls it like the googly eyed, you know, you just fall for a guru and you're just there and you'll do whatever. And I I just never felt, I think there was moments where I could have been susceptible and I could have been uh, led down that route. I think that is um, the case of like a pioneer and a follower and like innately, if you're just not, because I'm not interested in idolizing anybody either. And I think I, I never had an interest that when people ask me and they do all the time, like who inspires me, yeah. it's my mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa that survived war, World War II in Japan and World War II in Poland. And that's it. You know, like there are people like you and I talked to the, the main reason why Rosie and I really connected was when I came out with Kintsugi Wellness, she interviewed me for Radically Loved, her podcast, and we talked about our fathers and our grandfathers on our dad's side. And Rosie said, I'll never forget, that her father said, if you think, you know, you, you have it bad, we didn't even have enough money for shoes. Like, we, we didn't have shoes on our feet. And I told Rosie, my father told me in Poland, in the old country, if you think you have it bad, I used to sleep in a room where there was a leaky roof and a bucket. And there were some mornings when we would wake up and the bucket would be frozen. And those are the things I think because we're first generation, first generation Mexican-American, first generation Polish and Japanese American, I really think that there's a there's a, uh, a pit in our stomach, like Maria Menounos has it too. When you grow up with immigrant parents, you are 
always going to have to do better and make wiser choices and not fall susceptible to like following some guru. The word guru makes me want to puke, by the way. And I hate that word and the other word puke too, but it's true. Like it's a gross word. Nobody should be a guru and nobody should be idolized in our world. And I wish more equanimity was practiced amongst wellness practitioners. Yeah, I mean, I think that the whole idea behind the guru, has, like everything else, has been um, completely obstructed and, you know, like corroded because the word guru means the one to take you from the dark and into the light or to uncover what is true. So it never meant, oh, this person, but that's what it was taken. It's like, I am the one that's going to lead you from the dark to the light where it's the guru and all the teachings say this in, in a lot of different religions that the guru is always within you. You're the guru. That's what I was just going right? to say is we're the only connoisseur of the light is here. Yeah. Like the and heart, having, yes. the kindness that mm-hmm. you show to other people. Like there are too many people, if we're going there, I'm here for it. Dark side of wellness. Here we go. We're going there. My God, do so many of you need to wake up and learn. Like, I'm not perfect, but I still know when Ram Dass says, be here now, what that means. I know when Eckhart Tolle says, you know, read the new earth and learn how to live in the now. Um, I know what that means. And I, if I tell Rosie, I'm going to do something, I'll do it and I'll see it through. And I will try, I'm not a perfect person, but I will try to be a better person every day. But then you hear about tax evasion and tax fraud and people that are like abusing others, whether it's financially, emotionally, sexually, you hear about people that are taking advantage of others in our space by trying to profit off of vulnerable People. Like the vulnerable people yeah. in this world are those who do need to find the light, mm-hmm. but it's, it's found within. So we, we generally plant seeds, right? That's all we do. And we're messengers. That's all we really are. Yeah. But that's not the, that's not the case for most people, not most, but a lot of people in the space, I think mm-hmm. they are operating from a space of scarcity even though they're out there promoting abundance and selling abundance courses and selling manifestation courses. Like you are still living in lack. That is why you are selling a false hope to the people that are following you because you are so in fear that what you're saying is not fully integrated, that you need others to validate that sense within you, you know? And I mean, not to get, not to get ugly, but I do, um, I know we'll have many of these conversations because I know the audience really wants them and they also might actually need them too. Yeah. So that we can wake up as a whole. I mean, I need them. It, it'll you know? be, it, it tends to be like when I moved from New York back to LA, which I did not want to do, I saw you and I saw a few other people that started to remind me that there are good people that are still here and doing good work. But I think we have to remember like who we pay attention to matters, who we surround ourselves with matters, the kinds of courses that you're buying matter. And if you're buying someone's book that is utter bullshit, like you're, you're being duped. And 
a lot of people are driven by this one little thing that crushes people and it's called greed. And also another thing, which is called, you know, fame. Oh, and yeah, that. another thing that is called, you know, ulterior motives. Like I want to be beautiful, famous and rich forever. And that's nice, but those things are all fleeting. Like, Everything is really fleeting. Exist. That doesn't, that's not, it's not sustainable, you know? Well, <clears throat> to counter this conversation that's really dark, so we we do a lot of volunteer work, and I'm really impressed with your work with veterans. Uh, my father's a veteran of the Navy in the U.S., and I just would have never been here if it weren't for the, the Navy. So tell me about your work with veterans and how that's impacted them and yourself. Yeah, I mean, this is some of the most gratifying work for me because I – Grew up with uh, uh, people, uh, men and women, friends of mine from elementary school to high school that that went to into the service, went into the Marines, went into the Army, went into the Navy, and I saw what happened when some of the a couple of them died uh, during the Afghan War. Uh, close friends, you know, and, and sorry. It is really sad and, you know, you think about it, it just helps put everything into perspective, you know? And so I think just having that experience, that knowledge, I knew that I always wanted to work. It was just like, it was the way that I felt compelled to pay that back or or sort of honor that, you know, to pay homage to somebody giving their life, you know, for, you know, what they believed in, you know? And so I, as, as time went on, I got more involved in doing volunteer work and going to different places in Portland specifically and working with some of my students there that are in the air force and, um, then working privately doing life coaching. Like it just, it kind of went from, Oh, I'll teach you, I'll teach you how to meditate to, okay, let's start talking about your food choices. Okay, let's start talking about your life choices to we just get to talk about life, right? And having those tools that that you need in order to really live a radically loved life. And so I think that for me, the incentive has always been that experience and just honoring my friends. I have friends still that are still part of the military that I love and I check in with and, you know, they're like, friends from elementary school, you know, and I don't know. I just think that for me, it's just a way of constantly giving back. I know that for you, this is a big, it's a big thing. And this is where I think I feel more of that light needs to be shined on you and people like you that do all this stuff behind the scenes that you're not Instagram storing, Same. volunteering, Same. Ditto. feeding people, oh my God. you know, I can't like, I no, I feel like you guys are all going to have arthritis by the time you hit 30 and you're going to thank me for stopping the arthritis early. Don't do it. It's better to do real tangible shit, like write books, work on TV shows, work yeah. on documentaries. Work at a fucking like production company that does yeah. cool shit at Netflix or Hulu or HBO. That you have to go from point A to point B that allows you to I be agree. involved, you know? So I think, and again, it could be a millennial thing or whatever, but Gen I really. Z and Gen X. Yeah. Or what Gen am I missing? Well, Gen I'm just y. saying that like 
that is all fleeting as well. Like yeah. if TikTok goes under, like you're fucked. Oh my God. You don't have anything she to offer the world. Well, you don't I have did say it. You know what I mean. I mean, not the, that TikTok. Sorry. <laughs> what a mean, okay, a mean one. <laughs> no, not that you don't have a skill because let me tell you something. I know a couple of big, big TikTokers and, and it is definitely a skill. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that back, back again back in the day i don't know why i'm getting into this back in the day that old yeah literally 39 so anyway i'm gonna be 40 though so it doesn't matter whatever it's a a good age it's a great age it feels like the age of confidence yeah yeah it's awesome i'm just the only thing i mean is when you have a skill it requires you to immerse yourself into something. Now, somebody could say, oh, I immerse myself into my phone and to social media, and that's my trade. That's cool. But your body was built to be used. It wasn't built to sit on the computer and be on your phone all day. It was built, you have arms to lift, Mm -hmm. you have legs to pick things up with, you've got a strong back, you've got a body, you've got a voice, you've got a brain. These are all items that the universe, God, source, whatever you believe in, mm-hmm. created you in this way to use what you have, not to sit and be static, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, this is just a very practical, maybe elementary, maybe old school way of thinking. But I really do believe that having an opportunity to really immerse yourself into anything you want to learn about welding or building bikes or gardening whatever it is give yourself the opportunity to really immerse yourself into something that you can really feel the the passion and the joy of life because that's that's all it is that's what people are missing people are missing that person-to-person connection going and hanging out and spending time and conversating and looking at people a conversation together like this is different. It's, I mean, I love Candace. She's one of my dearest friends and we can text and send voice notes, but when we're together, it just is different. Yeah. You know, it's a different energy. It's a thousand times better when we're together and, and we have no agenda. We just want to hang out. Um, but back to your point about immersion and body and, and just movement. I mean, that's probably the yoga instructor in you coming out yeah. to teach, you know, don't forget to utilize what God gave you. Um, and then also I fully agree that if we could all find our trade and our craft early, that would be the most ideal process in life. But you know, a lot of people don't have that and they're, they're stuck and we haven't given them the same opportunities or resources that we were given. No, but but here's it. I hear what you're saying, but look at how many things you can edit. You can photograph. You did all of your stuff. You figured out how to do a blog. You figured out how to write like all of these things. We, you have to, when you lack resources, you get resourceful. Yes. And I feel like sometimes when things are a little too easy, you, it, it, you, that resourcefulness is a, it's a muscle. You have to exercise it. Use you have it to, or you lose you, it. Yeah, you have to know how yeah. to figure things out sometimes. Like you have to be able to have a, the desire and, and the ability to fail and be bad at something before you get good at something. I had no idea. When I started the podcast, I'd never recorded anything in my life. I how had many no episodes idea. are you in now? 
465. Oh my God. And how many years? Since 2016. I wanted to quit probably 10 different times. I was like, this is stupid. You know, there were a lot of times where I thought my ego got ahead of myself. Yes which goes back to that dark side that we talked about. Yeah. So sometimes your ego gets in the way of your true self and it, um, it has a way of like distorting mm -hmm. the way that we look at our own life. And then you can take a couple of steps back and like, like even the Rolodex Candace is not me anymore. I love joking around about my past life, especially in New York because it was so fucking good. You know, I tell every kid, do your drugs then, do your fucking wild nights, your benders, do it. your weekends out, do it. it. Seriously, teens, 20s, and none of you don't do that. But I mean- The people here, <laughs> that's not for you. We still but need to the work. others. But applicable to like- people trying to tell you to be good all the time or yes. thinking that wellness is like some sort of, um, you know, being super clean or buttoned up. I don't believe that. I think you should live life and see it in all color. And so when we talk about your work with the veterans and now your work with Headspace and your podcast, like these are all viable resources that are tangible. Um, and they also, give you some sort of return in investment and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be money all the time. Oh, Currency yeah. when working with the veterans is probably like your heart space. You know, currency for me when I work at the food bank is heart space. Yes. So when we met also, I think we learned, uh, we laughed a lot together Mm -hmm. And we didn't take ourselves so seriously. And also we passed around a couple other names of friends that we could like relate to. And, and then here we are like years later, I think we're, we're both doing better than maybe when we first met, you know, yeah, I know I that you so. wanted to write this for mm -hmm. a long time. So here we are and radically loved is out. What do you want people to take away when they pick up? this book radically loved. I think that the intention is the same that I want them to take away when they listen to the podcast or mm -hmm. they come to a retreat or they come to a workshop. Like the, the work is always the same. I, I always pose it as an invitation. I just want people to feel invited to write their own story, to build their own resilience toolkit, to find that encouragement and that, deep sense of self that is ironclad so that they can live an incredible life. Mm. So I wrote the book that I needed to read for myself yeah. because I actually was writing this during the pandemic when the pandemic was happening, which was really in intense. And I don't know if you remember, but there was another round of riots that we experienced in, in LA yeah, that I year. And so it was very, very interesting to be writing this during a time where I feel like the work is always needed, right? That heart space that you're talking about mm -hmm. filling is always being needed. We always need to have that connection, that ability to be of service, that ability to just do this work, you know, if that's yeah. what you're, you're called to do. So... I think the process of writing was, it was hard at times, but it was also very cathartic. Mm -hmm. And um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really happy with, with it. Uh, and I, I, I hope I get to do it again. And excited for people to read and learn and grow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the book is broken up into three parts, so it's mind, body, and spirit. And I've talked about it a little bit during the conversation, but there are, the beginning of the book does include a lot of writing prompts and contemplations for people to consider ways of having tangible and tactile experiences, which we've been talking about that I think are important. And the body portion, I talk about movement, I talk about the different ways of movement and why it's important to be able to integrate that in a physical sense, again, to use your body. And the spiritual portion of the book, I think, was the hardest and easiest portion to write because I think that I talk about relationships, I talk about grief, and I talk about what it means to be radically loved. And so the entire book sort of uh, crescendos in that in that portion where you really could utilize one of the key elements of the book to incorporate into your everyday life. So that is amazing because uh, actionable advice is yes. probably the best kind of advice mm-hmm. to give our young generation. So um, before we wrap up, Rosie and I wanted to talk about, um, a tiny portion of grief towards our loved ones that we have lost. And we both thought we would share Chewy and Cece because so many of you have fur babies now. And, um, we didn't have a chance to talk about this on video so we could actually show you. So why don't we introduce the world to Chewy? This is, this is Chew. This is Chewy, and he's just a sweet little guy. I did this paint by numbers. Uh, this is actually Tori's. I did it for Christmas. It's and it, beautiful. I know. It did get waterworks as well, so I was very excited that he... Well, I wasn't excited that he cried, but I was happy that it, it was a heartfelt. Yeah, that's Chewy, my little chew bug. Little Shih Tzu we had. I actually... I've had two Shih Tzus, and Chewy and Chucky... Uh, both got the dedication for my book. Oh, I know. I was thinking yeah. the same thing. So there's this girl named Amy Earls um, who does art, and it's Amy Giglio Art um, on Instagram. And she was a fan, and she made this watercolor of Cece, which crazily looks exactly like her. And she went to heaven three weeks ago, and Rosie and I talk about it because it's hard. Um, especially we're you know in our thirties, and I'm in my forties now, and only forty though, not old. Yeah. <laughs> she literally just turned forty. Let's and be real. But we, if we don't have like kids yet, you know, our pets are like our there kids. are ch- yeah i mean this is part of you know why i empathize with you and and i know how hard it is and the conversations that we've had around this i mean for me i love my animals so much yeah. i mean they spend you, 
with people that you love in your life, I took, I've taken my pet losses harder than people closest to me. And I'm sorry to say that. And I'm sure my family is going to have a problem with me and that's okay. Um, but many these, people have said that by yeah, the way. Yeah. But these, you're with them 24 seven. I mean, yeah. they are reliant on you for their survival. You know, like this is, there's a certain bond that you have with your, with your fur babies that is just, it, you can't even put words to it. It's so, it's such a pure, unfettered, immersive, unconditional love and devotion. It feels weird that she's not around anymore. Like I, I really um, think it comes in these weird waves. Yes. And so um, why don't you hold up Chewy and I'll hold up Cece oh my goodness. so we can yes. get our little dedication in. Have you, <laughs> have you, uh, put that down. Ready? Have you, yes. Okay. And smile. <laughs> we just want everybody to know that they can cope through the time of loss and it doesn't have to be a pet. It could be any loved one, a breakup, yes. even the loss of a job or a dream can be grief. Like so many people have like lost their, like their business and it becomes this very dark cloud. Yes. Yes. And so, um, I think if we maybe give a few tips, um, mine has been like, don't think that she isn't right next door. And she's in the sky and the stars and the hummingbirds and the rainbows and the light um, and through the work that we continue to do. So don't think that they've left you forever. And also know the work that you do every day can be left as a legacy to celebrate their yeah. life. Yeah, I, I had the best advice and I can't remember which one of these two people that I spoke to during this time, mm -hmm. who it was. So I'm just going to leave it, uh, without the person who said it because I can't be for sure. But what I was told was that the love I have for Chewy and Chucky and the love you have for CC, the love is eternal and it's always there. And this moment in time is temporary, but the anchor that we should all have is to know that the love is still there. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't ever go away. And for me, I think when you do think about a loss or a grief or a breakup or whatever is happening that is changing, the feeling that you experience during that time, during that relationship, the happy moments with your loved mm -hmm. one, et cetera, that happiness is still within you and you can still have access to that and you will feel it again. And I, and I really do believe that, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, death is a very beautiful experience also. So I want people to know that it's not all dark. Yeah. It's, it's like it awakens something inside of you that wasn't there before yeah and here's the other bright side is that we are all gonna go there oh yeah my mom <laughs> is like you know candice <laughs> not one of us will be able to escape death 
We are all going there. Cece, we're going to see you again. And then she said, you can borrow Shohei. Yeah. I'm going to let you borrow my cat. And he's going to be Richie Rich. <laughs> she kept right, saying, I love that. I, like, I love that your mom calls Mom, you're that. fucking wild. Like, <laughs> not rich. <laughs> but whatever you want to think. So... With that said, um, oh leaving us on a good note. So great. Well, it's it's <laughs> nice to know that there's a lot of good stuff. Like like the overwhelming yes. amount of love that you and I both saw when our pets died was crazy. And we thank you. Um, every love note meant a lot. And I want our listeners to be able to follow you. So where can they find you in your book? Yeah, you can just go to radicallyloved.com or follow me on Instagram at Rosie Acosta. Uh, but radicallyloved.com, you can get all of my happenings there and podcast, newsletter, everything. Right. And also, don't forget to pick up uh, You oh, Are yes. Radically Loved, Rosie's new book that's out now. And support her by purchasing the book and sharing it and giving it a review oh, on yes, the Amazon. Reviews are so important, Candice. Yeah. People don't realize if you want to pay a free podcaster in currency, a review is everything. So podcast review, book review, book review just, podcast yeah. review. Yeah, it does it goes a really long way. And Rosie, I just want to say thank you for supporting so many of us authors still to this day. Rosie is the only podcaster that has ever purchased other authors' books while having them on her show. And she didn't buy just one. She bought like multiple copies and then gave them away. And for that, I thank you because people are really going to notice. And, you know, they may not notice right away, but I think with time, people find out the cream always rises to the co- to the top and... Truth is always going to be revealed in the end. So I say we stick to it and keep doing the good work and, you know, treating each other with dignity and respect. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for saying Thank that. Thank you, Rosie. Yes. <laughs> oh, the chewy picture. I know. <laughs> I love it.